Starting a family is an exciting time filled with unknowns, dreams, and hopes for the future. And no matter what your family looks like, one thing is certain. Becoming a parent can be both exciting and overwhelming. But don't worry, you're not alone. Welcome to From Bump to Baby, an original podcast brought to you by Enfamil A+, your trusted source for baby nutrition, dedicated to building a supportive community for your adventures in parenting. Welcome, I'm your host, registered pediatric dietitian and mom of three, Sarah Remmer. Whether you're a first-time mom or a veteran parent, having a newborn is hard work. From the challenges of those first feeds to the non-existent sleep schedule, it's an ever-evolving adventure. In this episode of From Bump to Baby, we're tackling that and so much more in Newborn 101. Helping Me Do That is a first-time mom who has shown great resilience in a particularly challenging introduction to parenthood. Mother to baby Noah, my guest, Sarah Thompson. Hi, Sarah. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for being here, and congratulations on baby Noah, who is now how old? So he turns uh, one year old on Friday. Oh, happy birthday to baby Noah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. So let's start at the beginning. I want to hear all about your birth story. I guess I was one of the lucky ones and my pregnancy was relatively uneventful. And when I went for my 38-week appointment, my OB sort of surprised me with the news that she felt he was a little bit big and maybe that we would induce a little bit early. I had this great plan that I was going to work right up until my due date. So I actually had my work holiday party scheduled for December 3rd. And I was like, that's perfect. I'll work till that day. He's not due until the 6th or 7th. So I'll have the weekend off and then he can come anytime that next week. It'll be great. So that sort of plan shifted really quickly. My OB wanted to schedule me in to be induced on November 30th, but I had a work commitment that day. So I talked to her and said, you know, that day isn't great. (laughs) Is there any way that I could push it one more day? And I think she thought I was absolutely crazy, but she agreed. Hold on, hold on. Like, what do you do for a living? Because this sounds intense that you (laughs) just shift the date of your induction. So I'm a lawyer. And so I, I was scheduled in court just on sort of an important matter. I hope the audience doesn't judge me too much. It's not that I wasn't anxious to meet my baby. I was very anxious <laughs> to meet my baby. I just, of course. I had commitments on that particular day and they had already pushed up my due date about a week and a half. So in my mind, I was like, can we just, can we push it back one day? Luckily, they didn't have any room to start the inducement process on that date. So it actually was December 1st that I was scheduled to go in to be induced. I think I worked right up until about 10 o'clock on November 30th and closed my computer and said to my baby, you know, okay, we're good now. I've finished my work. We, You can come anytime. And I was scheduled to be induced around 12, but my water actually broke at like 2 or 3 in the morning. We went to the hospital. I had sort of just minor contractions, but nothing significant. And so they sent me home and just sort of said to come back when the contractions were closer together. So I labored all that day. My OB had called and said, okay, you know, come back in and we're going to sort of see if we can speed up the process. So 
I was admitted into the birthing suite and they started me on the Pitocin drip to sort of see if it could speed up the process, which was sort of when things kind of spiraled. Baby crashed and then I crashed. The nurses were in and out. They had me laying in certain positions to see if that would assist. They weren't sure if there was something with the cord positioning, what it was that was happening. So we had to stop the Pitocin just because of sort of my negative reaction to it and his negative reaction. Mm-hmm. And I'd been in labor at that point for about 34, 35 oh hours. And I was only four centimeters dilated. And his heart rate just sort of kept getting lower and lower. It was a stressful afternoon because, you know, they had me sitting in such positions that I couldn't actually see the heart rate monitor. So I couldn't sort of see the highs and lows, but I could hear it. And then I could hear the alarms. My OB came in. She started looking through his results and looking at the heart rate read and just said, like, this isn't good. He's in distress and Mm -hmm. we need to get him out. It was 10 minutes and I was prepped Mm -hmm. for surgery. It was honestly surreal. And then the very sort of immediate decision to shift to have an emergency C-section was an experience as well. And everything just sort of shift right away. And I was emotional because I was exhausted. And just the concern for him was was Mm. stressful. And then Noel was born at about 10 to 5 on December 2nd. Mm. I'll never forget the relief of when I first heard him cry. Wow. As you're telling your story, it like makes me emotional because it brings me back to my first baby and and the experience that I went through when I was delivering Ben as his name. And although we didn't, you know, in the end need to go to the C-section, we were almost there, like right there. He ended up having to be vacuumed out and worst tearing ever. I tore ligaments in my pelvis, didn't know it at the time, thought I broke my tailbone. There was like 11 different people in the room, you know, residents and (laughs) student doctors. And it was so contrary to the way that I thought it would be because I too had a very healthy pregnancy. And I just thought like, yeah, I have my plan. I know how I want it to go. And then when things don't go the way that you think they're going to go, you're exhausted, you're stressed, And obviously don't want to scare anybody going into delivering a baby or a first-time mom because it can also go very smoothly. There's so many different ways it can go. But I think the moral of the story is that when you go in with too rigid of a plan or a vision of how it's going to go, it can be disappointing because it doesn't always go as planned. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you have to be fluid. I remember someone said, you know, don't think of it as a plan. Think of it as like best case scenario. Mm -hmm. I'm very A-type personality, had everything scheduled down to the minute and it (laughs) it spiraled very quickly. Things are very much out of your control. So you kind of just have to lean into it and just take it as it comes. That's all you can do. I love that lean into it. I feel like as parents, we have to just often lean into it, whether it's like starting solids or picky eating or whatever challenge we're going through, delivering a baby. Sometimes you just do have to like go with the flow. Hey, it's Sarah. For more helpful insights and support for your adventures in parenting, be sure to check out mfamil.ca. Now, back to From Bump to Baby, presented by MFML A+, your trusted source for baby nutrition. 
tell me a little bit about the support that you had postpartum from your partner and healthcare practitioners and how that helped to shape your experience. I was really lucky when it came to the support systems that I had in place. So I have family that lives really close, which was very helpful. My partner was great. I felt really lucky to have him there because my recovery was a bit different and more complicated than I expected it would be. In terms of the other supports, when I was in the hospital, I had my OB, who was obviously my primary care physician in the hospital, and she was fantastic. So we honestly received such good care from start to finish throughout my pregnancy and then postpartum with Noah when we were addressing some of the weight issues that we had with him. So I was really lucky. Yeah, shoreline of support and people surrounding you to help. You had mentioned that there were some struggles with Noah and his weight. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Sure. We go from having a baby who they were telling me was trending bigger the entire time to a baby that just wouldn't gain weight. So when he was born, he was seven pounds and he was healthy. Mm -hmm. He had dropped weight, which was typical, but he had gone down to, I think, six pounds, five ounces. And when they weighed him again, he had lost another ounce or two. So they were monitoring it. I had good supports in the hospital just with the beginning stages of breastfeeding because Noah's my first child. I had no idea what to expect when it came to breastfeeding and Mm -hmm. in total honesty, didn't really give it a lot of thought. I think I was so focused on the pregnancy initially and then on the labor and delivery that all of a sudden all of that is done and you're like, oh, okay, so now I have to learn how to feed this child that I have created. (laughs) Yeah. The nurses were great support in helping. They seemed to think that he was latching and it felt like he was latching. And my milk seemed to come in sort of in a somewhat timely manner. And there didn't appear to be any initial issues. We had an appointment with my family doctor on the Monday just to do the initial weigh-in and initial check with him. And Noah dropped quite a substantial amount of weight. We went back later that week. He seemed okay again, seemed to be latching, didn't appear to be any obvious issues, but he was just so tiny and he just Hmm. didn't seem to be gaining any weight. I was concerned because I didn't really see any changes in him. So it was at that point that my doctor had some concerns with respect to his weight gain. So suggested that because he needs the calories, given how little he was, that we needed to start supplementing with formula. It was just sort of a difficult process because with the feeding, once we started supplementing with formula, his weight did go up, which was good, but he was struggling then to breastfeed. So I was trying to just start with breastfeeding and then just finish with formula supplemented in a bottle Mm -hmm. but the more he got the bottle (laughs) the less he wanted to breastfeed yes oh my gosh I can relate to this yeah well and you feel almost like what is wrong with me like is there something wrong with me am I doing something wrong is there something wrong with my body like why isn't this just working I know I contacted like a lactation consultant and then I started researching what supplements or what foods I could eat that may assist Mm. with milk supply and was drinking all the teas and and (laughs) eating all the cookies and whatever I could that, you know, they say might assist with it. But it just didn't, it didn't really seem to be working. And then I started pumping just to try and keep my supply up or to generate more supply. And I really wanted to try and still do the breastfeeding. Like he was only like a month and a half at this point, not even two months. But 
he's like rejecting this breastfeeding and he yes. needs the calories. So there were some long nights where he was crying and I was crying. And oh my gosh. My poor yes. partner was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Yes. Like it's really hard. You had mentioned the whole concept of like leaning in. Mm-hmm. And I would say in my experience anyways with breastfeeding, especially with your first baby, very, very hard to just lean in and trust the process. Just to give you a little peace of mind, I had a very similar experience to you where my milk wasn't filling my baby up the way it should. He didn't grow enough. He lost a lot of weight. I think, honestly, the stress that I was under with my first baby really actually impacted my milk supply. (laughs) And then I went on to have two other babies and had oversupply of breast milk. Yeah, I do take comfort in that. But when you're in it, when you're sort of immersed in it, like I just think back to like those 3 a.m.s where I'm just like crying because I'm just pathetically trying to be like, why won't you just take my breast and breastfeed? Oh, I know. What I say as a dietitian when I have a client who's struggling with nursing, we talk a lot about the stress piece, but we also talk a lot about just making sure that mom is eating enough and listening to her body and tuning in and being intuitive with her eating. Yes. I found once I had Noah, your focus isn't on you as much as it is on the baby and you kind of forget that connection where you need to be nourishing yourself because it's your body that's providing sustenance for the baby. It seems kind of odd to be making yourself eggs and toast at 3 a.m., but when <laughs> when you're nursing, you're expending a lot of extra calories. Protein is really, really important. I think that a lot of moms kind of neglect that protein piece. So important for healing and making sure that blood sugar levels are stable, energy levels are stable, they're full for a certain period of time, and fiber too is a really satiating nutrient. Really, it's just whole nutrient-dense foods that you should be eating and a nice balance in those meals. Yes. And it's so important to have that support available through partners, through family, through friends to help keep you nourished, right? Bring you meals. I always said my favorite gift, like, don't bring me stuff. I just want food, (laughs) like meals, snacks, muffins, energy balls. Please bring that because that's really what you need. Yes. Let's switch gears a little bit. You had talked about your lack of sleep. How did you get back on track with your sleeping? Gosh, motherhood is such a ride. It's it, Everything is such a blur at the beginning. And, you know, everyone jokes and says, like, you know, get ready to be sleep deprived. But it is something that I was painfully unprepared for, um, <sighs> especially in the first couple of weeks. And I'm someone that can survive on, you know, somewhat little sleep. But once you have a child and you're kind of up at all hours and kind of time loses all all meaning, people will say to you, you know, sleep when the baby sleeps. And I saw this funny video where it was like, yeah, sleep when the baby sleeps. And then, you know, do dishes when the baby does dishes. And yeah, exactly. Do laundry when the baby does laundry. And yeah. I was like, I... as easy as that. Yeah, I was like, I respect this because it's so true. Yes. Because, you know, when the baby does go down, whether it's a few minutes or if you're getting longer stretches, you have this laundry list of things that you want to get done. Um, But it is important to prioritize just even if you can't sleep, just some downtime just to give your Mm -hmm. body some rest because I'm not going to lie and say that it's it's pretty. It's not pretty. And the sleep deprivation is something that's real. But it's real. You emerge on the other side through the fog. I know. And just kind of also throw out that laundry list of things that you think you need to accomplish, like laundry, like dishes or whatever it is delegate to the people around you that can help with those kinds of things. And I love that you said you do emerge, you do come out of the fog. And sometimes it's hard to believe that you will when you're deep in that. When you're in it, it's not as funny, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of all part of the wild journey. 
And speaking of a wild ride, I want to dive in to the introduction of solid foods. Mm. How did it go? Hopefully this helps other moms if you're struggling. So I went from having a baby that, you know, wouldn't gain weight, that like, you know, just wouldn't take breast milk, that it was so problematic to a baby that like he loves to eat. So he loves food, which is amazing. On my doctor's recommendation, we started him on solids fairly early. So I think he was on solids like four and a half, five months. We sort of did the introduction to it. And we just started with, you know, your rice cereal just to see how it went, how he enjoyed it. Was he showing signs of being ready to start solids? Was he reaching out for food? Was he interested in what you guys were eating? He was. And then we kind of progressed from there. And honestly, it went smoothly, finally. (laughs) Something went smoothly. I went kind of back and forth because there's lots of ways in which you can start feeding a baby. And some people exclusively want to do baby led weaning and other people mm-hmm. want to spoon feed and of course I was like I, I don't know let's just see what works again I was like okay if I've learned anything it's just like you can't have a strict plan because it may not go exactly near the beginning I kind of would set some in front of him just in like a, a bowl or a plate just to see if he had interest in sort of eating it himself he had absolutely zero interest in that. So he definitely preferred to be fed the purees Mm. and everything at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then the more that he kind of got familiar with some of the solid foods, we tried again with sort of the baby-led weaning, and then he just took to it. And then we'd start with sort of bigger pieces of things for him to try and gnaw or eat away at, and he loved it. And so then he went from sort of being exclusively spoon-fed baby to like he didn't want us to feed him like he would eat it if we were putting a spoon close to Mm -hmm. his mouth but he Mm -hmm. was like no I've got this the taste of autonomy right like feeding himself self-feeding that was a good thing for us that he was able to sort of just pick up and go what a relief, especially after all of the challenges that you had with with nursing. And just to give some context for those who are listening who don't know what baby led weaning is, baby led weaning is um, a strategy in which you introduce solid foods where you give baby soft, safe finger foods right from the get-go. So right from six months of age, they are self-feeding. So, yeah, of course, there's like choking hazards and a few different foods you don't want to introduce right at six months. But as long as it's soft and it's large enough that they can pick up the food with their palm, it's called the palmer grasp because babies don't have their pincer grasp yet, which is like just using their fingers. So it has to be large enough that they can actually bring it to their mouth, but then soft enough that they can maneuver it in their mouth. The main thing is that you just want to let baby lead and make sure that you're watching their cues and just to make the whole experience positive. But it sounds like you did a fantastic job. It's been sort of like a constant readjustment plot twist in the sense of like, we started here, we're going to go here. He is a very sort of easygoing baby in the sense that he would eat pretty much everything that we put in front of him. But certainly more now, he certainly favors some foods over other foods. And he's not as inclined to eat, for instance, at this particular moment. Broccoli is not his favorite food to consume. So it's sort of adjusting and finding foods that are nutritious for him that he is willing to eat and not just given his age, you know, just throw on the floor and things like that. 
you know, when you started talking about right now, the struggle is broccoli and throwing things on the floor. I mean, I think we could have a whole other podcast episode on picky eating (laughs) because you're getting, you're kind of nearing that typical picky eating phase, which starts around, I would say 14 months and onwards, but can start a little bit earlier. So maybe for another time. Yeah, absolutely. That was so wonderful, Sarah. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story. I know that it's going to help so many new moms going through this for the first time. And I guess moral of the story is you're not alone. We're all going through these ups and downs, roller coaster of events that happens in that first, you know, year of baby's life. That's absolutely true. And you'll get through it. You're, you're going to be great. Exactly. Thank you very much for having me. I'm Sarah Remmer, registered pediatric dietitian and mom of three. Thanks so much for listening. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to From Bump to Baby wherever you get your podcasts. This is an original podcast brought to you by Enfamil A+, your trusted source for baby nutrition, dedicated to building a supportive community for your adventures in parenting. For more expert advice and helpful insights, go to enfamil.ca.